the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who comes. Amen. So the ringing of the red buckets are out again. I saw them in Wabash last night, and they're out doing their business. They lost a lot of charity last year. They tried to do online stuff, but as the ministerium said, it didn't amount really, frankly, to much at all. But the red buckets do one thing to people. You know, they feel an urge to maybe want to give to that if you do. But the reality is this. It's not the same as a call of repentance. That's not the same as a red bucket. A call of repentance is even stronger tone. We hear it from John today, who came at a time when society, frankly, was in shambles. The Romans controlled a Gentile way of life in the promised land. The religious institution, which would be at the temple, and the daily life for the people, the Jews, had changed a great deal since the time of the prophet Malachi. Matter of fact, there was no prophet of God who had spoken for 400 years. But times keep changing. And so Advent brings the greatest gift for change that God has sent into the world. It's to repent and believe in Christ who comes, or the gospel. This sounds kind of less impressive, I know, than the less fanciful lessons this time of the year taught by Christmas, like, you know, those ghosts that I remember from, from, from the story um, of, of the Christmas carol, past, present, and future ghosts, right? But as you know, the child born of Mary is no fictional story by Charles Dickens. He is God in our flesh. Advent comes to change hearts and minds about that whole point by the word of God that has come to all generations and people to be ready to interact with God in a manger fit for the cross. So the Father prepares peace at Christmas. Christ, his Son, he comes. The spirit of men cannot prepare us for this peace of God. You'll never find it in man. There are all kinds of peace we can do, but arrangements of man come rooted in inclinations drawn up by sinners. So we fight wars, just wars, to finally get peace. But you also know that there is no war to end all wars. As we know, Jesus even said, kings and will rise and kingdoms will fall. And you'll hear about wars and rumors of wars. Now, they might even stand directly against God, though, some with these arrangements for peace in this world. Here's an example. An advertisement few years back said these words. I don't know if it's still out there. I didn't take the time to look it up. But this, the advertisement on the bulletin board said, No God, no problem. Be good for goodness sake. Can you guess the group who put this out? They call themselves the friendly atheists. Their appeal is to the good spirit of man for peace. It's the most debased form of unbelief, we can say, but it also will cause a religious reaction. And yet, 
we don't have to react because you kind of see this thing kind of coming if you think about it. Because, for instance, the Jewish religion would have advertised something like this during the time of John. The bulletin board would have said, no Messiah, no problem. Be good for God's sake. It would have been good enough. Because you understand, lost at the time of John the baptizer was any... Malachi said he's going to come, 400 years, nothing happened. They were to try their best, in other words, with the Ten Commandments, follow the rules of life developed by the Pharisees. But the nature of man just needed some help from God. It denied the depth of its true darkness that all the Word of God... From Adam and Eve, through Noah, and from there on out, it made very clear how rooted original sin really was. But it didn't really speak much when John came to that topic. Now, confession of sin is to identify the deep problem, right? That makes us miss the mark of God's law. Humanity is hard-pressed to admit how separated we already are from God. It has been this way since the fall into sin. John the baptizer showed the spirit of man as they came out to him because, I mean, he really talked the talk and walked the walk. And so they came out to see this, this preacher of the word that looked an awful lot like Elijah long ago. But what did he say to them? You brood of vipers. And of course, viper is an allusion to Satan, Okay. Who warned you to, rise, to, to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits and keeping with repentance is what he said. Of course, in our day, words of sinfulness, depravity, damnation have no place among popular celebrities. Dr. Phil is not going to say much about it. Neither will Oprah. They paint a picture of man apart from sin having a kind of natural goodness. Besides, who wants to hurt a person's self-esteem? I mean, you've got to identify with what you want to identify of yourself, right? That's the whole point today. If the spirit of man is good by nature, here's the problem with Christmas. What joy is necessary over the spirit of God who brought forth Jesus, born of the Virgin Mary? You're not going to have any joy over that fact that God became man, how God was born, not of a man, Jesus, who became a sacrifice for us because he was sinless. And so with that kind of a thinking of this goodness in man, even the waters of holy baptism can become polluted and dismissed as that place of God's saving spirit upon our lives. We can confuse that, too, just as much as we can mess up the Christmas story. Maybe a nice family tradition, a personal work of my faith, or, or an option, maybe. But, but, I mean, we don't want to talk about it actually being a, a, truly a gift and work of God. Advent, like the work of baptism, comes to take Christmas out of our hands. God became man in the sinless and saving nature of Jesus and no one else. The Spirit of God's Word from baptism now keeps preparing us because Christ comes with His peace 
And so repentance was nothing new for the Jews. That topic of repent, that's nothing new. Even other world religions do the same call of repentance. What made the difference is John the baptizer preached this, a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. You can't forgive yourself. You can't baptize yourself. And this, and this forgiveness was personal. It was for you, through water. This is, a, this is bigger than man's way of trying to isolate repentance as a momentary act. We do something bad and we kind of put that in the category of that's the bad part of me. Plenty want to try to do the right thing, especially during the season of Christmas, right? We're going to offset the bad time of the years, of, of the bad times of, the, of this year with really kind of firing up our love during Christmas. But repentance born out of baptism is a new life. Not a momentary act. It's a whole new way. A whole new kind of person that you've been made. The condition of a person changes through baptism to hear the good news preached for salvation. Where there is confession, there is forgiveness. It's the reason why the message of the gospel comes from God's messengers. John the baptizer received his call, right? Directly from, for the text tells us it came of the word of God came to John. Means God did a direct call. Today, Christ himself, the word become flesh, has given the church this preaching of his word in its truth and purity. And so, the church entrusts it in that the means are active among God's baptized people. That's why pastors have a right to give you a call. Because it's the word of God that's come to speak for you. Both law and gospel both in confession and absolution. Christmas, you see, will have many different kinds of voices and sounds. And I can tell you, from the times of me being a kid, there's a lot more different sounds to Christmas and a lot more things that are being celebrated and less, far less of what we know as Christians. But only the preached word works for your salvation. It's the message of repentance and faith in Jesus. We continually have the call to return to our baptism. What's good about that is that guilt is removed. Guilt meaning the things you've done. But also the shame that you may have that's been done against you in your life is washed away. Your baptism makes you clean. It's kind of like that continual bleaching project that God bears on the backs of Jesus for our lives. You see... Our Lutheran fathers wrote these words about bearing fruit and keeping with repentance and what that meant. True tares and sorrows of the soul do not permit the indulgence of the body in lusts. And true faith is not ungrateful to God or contemptuous of his commandments. In a word, there is no, no penitence inwardly which does not produce outwardly the punishing of the flesh. In other words, there's going to be change. There's going to be change when God's word comes and confronts our life. But again, what does it mean? Our sinful struggles do not go away at Christmas. Here's the problem. 
You want to increase love, but it might actually end up being more challenging to love, harder to see peace and sins forgiven. Let alone, there are gifts of sacrifice we bring to this child of Mary. The baptized asked John, as you heard today, what will we do? And his answer spoke to the vocations of a tax collector and soldiers, right? And view commandments. So again, if you're a tax collector, take what's supposed to be owed, but don't take more, don't cheat. If you're a soldier, do what soldiers do. Don't threaten people because you got all the weapons of war on your side. If you're a parent, raise your children, not just for the body, but in their souls. You know what that means for speaking and praying in the home. You see, whatever we do in life carries the danger of sinful offenses. We just can't get out of it. But it also carries true acts of love for our neighbor in those vocations, whatever they be. In other words, the baptized want to learn from God's word. Because that's our refuge for forgiveness and for life. His spirit is at work then in our lives. So you cut yourself off from the word. Well, you may have a life, you may be doing stuff, but it's dead without the spirit of God. And so St. Paul said, you heard today, it's my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and discernment, which is speaking about life, filled the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. This spirit of the gospel from God's word remains with the baptized until Christ comes as the Prince of Peace. Advent prepares us to hear the word of forgiveness. It opens us to a new life in keeping with repentance and shares the undying promise that salvation belongs for all by faith in Jesus because the baby born in the manger is not a big thing to repent before because the baby was made to die for us. So you see, we have this thing. We say Christmas only comes once a year. But you know, there's only been one Christmas. God is the faithful one who cares. Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered and died on the cross. His resurrection reigns as a light over sin, death, and Satan. And since darkness, we know, ends in him, the season of Advent doesn't grow dimmer. It actually, as we know by the Advent wreath, it grows brighter. And repentance opens that way, the way of forgiveness. Since it ends with Jesus, he is our peace. And so his good presence tells us that he still comes for our lives as he gives it to us in the Lord's Supper. To face him in humility as the Lord himself, under bread and wine, to serve. He gives a heartfelt praise for his return of glory as Savior on the last day. That's the biggest thing in this world is how you come to this meal because of who says he does all things for us by his service. And that service is forgiveness in life.
Repent and believe in the gospel is our way. There is no need for the ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future to teach us some lessons. That's fine and dandy. But that's not the same life that comes through Christ. You see, the Father in heaven has blessed us with the gift of his Son. No Scrooge will make him surrender his love. And the dawn of this new day only grows brighter. For he comes. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding leads to life everlasting in his glory that has no end. Amen.